Hello, well, welcome to the uh, Fall Equinox event. Yeah, the Egyptian Tree of Life, or the Symbol of Life. And I uh, want to thank Susan for uh, all her work and uh, putting everything together. We've been here for almost thank a full week. I guess I'm lucky enough. <laughs> yeah, the karmic connection. Um, yeah, sorry I was late. Uh, I'm, I'm like a, probably in a different time zone. We're doing another <laughs> class uh, with, at Carol Post's place, and uh, maybe we had, I had one too many transmissions today. I thought I had a whole hour and a half. I thought, I thought this was going to start at 7.30, although I knew it was at 6.30, so I thought I was going to take a nap in the, in the parking lot, and then it didn't hit me until five minutes away. I was like, oh my God, I'm late. <laughs> so, anyways, maybe, maybe we needed some time for uh, everyone else to catch up so the angels always work in a nice way. But uh, yeah, so I apologize for uh, starting a little late. Uh, we may go a little bit over, you know, a couple minutes over uh, nine, so we kind of just make up for the time. Uh, but not too much over, uh, just in case people have to get somewhere. So um, yeah, this, this class is like, I would call like initiation knowledge. You know, it's, it was uh, in the past, um, the symbol of life would be considered things you might learn within a small group setting uh, with a teacher probably who was holding that line of um, information and and knowledge or energy. Um, Even now, uh, what we're gonna cover I don't think is as readily available. I'll give you some resources. Uh, I learned this uh, meditation that we're doing, which is kind of the purpose of tonight, is um, to convey the meditation so that you could practice it. I learned it directly from Robert Gilbert, who many people might have um, either studied this already with or studied with him. And uh, he's also the person who introduced me to Daskalos, or Stylianos Atishlis, who is, I would say, the modern master or teacher of this. Uh, so I never met um, Daskalos. I don't, did anyone ever meet? Hey, uh, Daskalos? Uh, okay, he passed away in the the 90s. He may have come to the New York Open Center once or twice, to, or at least New York City. Uh, yeah, so his um, home base was in Cyprus, where um, he basically you know, wouldn't have been discovered unless he let um, another Cypriot who actually was a American, um, and was a professor at the uh, University of Maine, uh, who took a sabbatical. His name is Kyriakos Markidis. Uh, to study with Daskalos, but mainly to write uh, three uh, books on him, which I, which I recommend if people haven't explored those. The one that's still in print is called The Magus Astrovalos, uh, and it's the first, oh, let's see, I was just looking for a board, maybe I could write that. But um, Magus Astrovalos, that's uh, quite good. So if you're in healing or spirituality or shamanism, uh, it doesn't, it's a story, you know, it's a story of uh, Kyriakos Markidis' Um, study with him, but uh, he does present like um, not like it like a, like as a textbook, but techniques there that you can kind of see how Daskalos worked. And he was a very advanced initiate in terms of his abilities and what he was doing uh, for the planet. But he would have been fine just uh, being quiet, running the school. You know that was very more European and personal, and uh, you know no fanfare. And then. <laughs> Then he got uh, found, basically, through these three books, and then uh, probably everyone really wanted to either come visit him or uh, have him come see them. 
So I, I do think he had a, a couple of visits to the United States where he talked. But, uh, but that's kind of maybe the first principle is like these initiates, they're on the planet, but um, most likely they don't want to be known and uh, because that just creates um, like astral problems uh, uh, that would probably more block their mission than help their mission. Um, and the knowledge they're giving is usually something that's karmically related, meaning you'd find that teacher because you had some karmic connection to them maybe in the past or to that knowledge and they most likely have been incarnating over many lifetimes. Uh, just to give a little brief overview on Daskalos, so he could remember all his lifetimes basically uh, from almost the get-go, like when he was young. And so he did remember when he was an uh, Egyptian hierophant, uh, where he, this is probably the first place he was teaching the symbol of life. And that's why I kind of called this the Egyptian tree of life because the lineage is traced all the way back to Egypt. And uh, then he remembered his times when he uh, met Jesus, actually. He was born around the same time, but uh, it was very humble. Like, he just was like a little boy who happened to uh, be working in, like, an inn that Jesus stopped by. <laughs> so it wasn't like some, like, I was the, you know, third disciple or something. It was like, I just happened to, like, in that lifetime, get to see him, you know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, so um, people who probably were connected to him, uh, let's say, in his life this time as Daskalos, or his most recent life, uh, supposedly he reincarnated. I talked to one of his uh, close students, which I'll mention uh, a little later, but um, probably had some karmic connection to him. And that was the unique thing about him, if you read some of the... Those, that, that trilogy from Kyriakos Markides is, uh, so he was definitely an active healer. So if someone came in to see him, he would just look and first determine where they knew each other in past lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and he could see exactly where, and probably w where he might be having to like um, pay back some karma. <laughs> there were a couple stories about that. So I was thinking, man, I'm doing healing. I mean, I'm paying back a lot of karma for all the clients who are coming. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so he would be able to see that. And the reason I'm bringing up these abilities is when someone asked him, how were you able to do all those things? Like, how were you able to, like, remember Egyptian and Sanskrit, like, from the get-go? He never studied those. And Egyptologists would come visit him to, like, work out hard problems on what the hieroglyphs. And uh, how would you, like, know people's past lives and your own past lives? He said it's because he had meditated the symbol of life, this glyph, into his field starting in ancient Egyptian times. And so, um, so this is like a mechanism to uh, carry a lot of information throughout your lifetimes. And this is what he would teach his students. Although, uh, besides Robert Gilbert, I haven't seen anyone actually... Um, Let's say, let's say associated with, it's called the Researchers for Truth, is the name of the uh, group now after he's passed, and the website, in case you wanted to check it out, uh, where they've actually taught the, the, this meditation we're going to go over. Uh, so it wasn't kind of very public, public knowledge. But um, when I, I've seen other people's writings, like I mentioned the student who's very close to him, uh, he had writings, uh, Daskalos, that were in his own handwriting, uh, he did mention that that's the most important thing to do 
or one of the most important things, is to meditate this. He said over, I think he said daily, uh, for three to five years until it's stabilized in your field. And then it's basically like a divine thought form. So you probably carry that throughout lifetimes, but it would allow you to stabilize these gifts that you might be learning, the spiritual knowledge that you might be accumulating, and to bring online a lot of the uh, uh, spiritual powers like that he was um, demonstrating. Of course, to benefit other people uh, for your spiritual mission. And that's a bit of the puzzle that like, we all face uh, incarnating as, let's say, souls, is remembering our past lives and particularly how they are relevant now. Uh, because some of that is like a bit of a puzzle piece to, to what we're doing now. And then to carry that information into future lifetimes and to either bring it right back online or at least remember it fairly quickly. So if you could imagine maybe when you, I don't, sometimes you say um, woke up like in this life or kind of became more aware of your spiritual aspect. Uh, maybe it was in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. If that could, could have happened earlier without a lot of some of the trauma that has to occur to kind of almost like uh, get it going. But early on, like Daskalos learned, was aware of this maybe when he was three or four like who his teacher was in the inner world and so forth. Some really interesting, interesting stories as a young boy are in that book by Kyriakos Markidis, um, where he would be like uh, solving these very complex math problems as a first grader, <laughs> uh, like a uh, 12th grader college math problems, and his uh, teachers couldn't understand what was going on. It's because he, could, uh, he was here listening to his teacher in the inner world. So if you could imagine that connection uh, in a lifetime right away uh, versus maybe what might have happened if you have to recollect that in terms of uh, a couple decades into your life. You can kind of get on to your path faster and particularly if it's a mission to uh, where you're serving others you can kind of um, start much faster and, and perhaps not be as traumatic also. So, so there is a mechanism rather than it just being intellectual and, it, and it's, it's meditating this glyph into your field so that's really the, the reason for the class. Is um, I know I presented some of this for people who went to the Egypt um, trip recently. We'll probably do it again. For, uh, there's another Egypt trip that's coming up in a week or two because that's the homeland of where this started. And then I may have presented this also in another, with Susan in another, maybe it was a, a fall equinox also. But this is more dedicated only to this. Um, because I think it's, uh, uh, there's kind of like a more of an import to, to kind of have more people maybe uh, galvanized toward it, and perhaps it could really benefit uh, your spiritual path. Um, anyone want to mention in their experience with the meditation who may have done it before? Or anybody, anybody already learned the symbol of life meditation? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've done yeah. it before. Okay, uh-huh. A few weeks ago, before I knew you were doing this, uh-huh. I started have a daily meditation practice, and I started acknowledging those centers every day. Oh, right. I've already been doing it like for a few weeks, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm getting ready for that. <laughs> you know, like, uh, like kind of re. <laughs> yeah. So uh-huh. it's been, I don't know, I've just been being aware of it, and putting energy into the centers. 
Right. Uh huh. Right. Oh, great. That's great. Yeah. So I have this from the last time. Oh, the uh huh. It's taped up right next to my computer. So uh huh. It's just as a visual reminder. And I think without meditating on it, it's it's existing with it. Right. It's like it's resonating with. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like the visuals there as soon as I close my eyes. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Great. Yeah, no, Andre, yeah, I've been working with it, the, the Robert Gilbert version, oh, right. as well as others. But, and sometimes I'll do, because I do medical qigong and Chinese medicine, instead of doing other centers, like I'll work on those centers as uh -huh. they are. Right. We'll present them later, and it's, and it's getting a lot of insights as me, for me as a healer and a lot of like, really good results. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also, every now and then, I'll... It's almost like there's three versions of it for me, because mm -hmm. I see it as a fractal. Yeah. So it could be like any, like you could go down to the cellular level and do it, or you could go like your whole energy field. Yeah. So I see it like kind of from from upper chakra, like above here, and then to the root. Right. But I've mapped out another one that's actually the leg chakras, oh, nice. and then there's another version that I've kind of seen and worked with, where the the bottom center is actually the the underneath the feet. Oh, nice. And so it's another, it's another way to kind of structure. Yeah, um, oh, that's great. Yeah, so I, I clearly geek out on this stuff. Really? I learn Qigong, like forms and movements, and I'm like, what if, what if I use those centers instead? That's and cool. So I, I kind of, that's, that's how I work with it. Oh, nice. That's great to hear. Yeah, yeah getting the damas. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, like, um, uh, what was mentioned is yeah. So these are yours to keep, and you know, and ju you could just go into resonance with it. If, you know, if the meditation, uh, you know, doesn't inspire you to do it right now, or maybe it's later, or you just want to use it to have knowledge that you have it. Um, like was mentioned, just by looking at it, you kind of go into resonance with it. And the idea is that it's actually a universal glyph, so it's actually in everyone's field. It's just what it's just kind of like reactivating it and strengthening it. And that could either be done like as a quick, sort of just like touching into where these centers are, which I'll give one version of, uh, which is the one Daskalos was kind of teaching. Um, or if you spent like longer, kind of almost carving it uh, or, you know, spending time at each of the centers, um, that would kind of like a, be a deeper dive into it. Uh, but um, his name was Paul Scorpin. This is the student that who I mentioned I met. So it's kind of the one link uh, in the physical world where I've, I've met someone who was a student like of the line of Daskalos. And he taught uh, the symbol of life at Vesica, which is Robert Gilbert's um, uh, school in Asheville. So I took the class. It was a five-day class. And uh, he, he was selling, basically, and you could kind of create this at Kinko's. I'll, I'll send out the PDFs when I send out the MP3s of these. But... Um, uh, let's see, it was actually this, it was this, and it was like a, kind of like a nylon um, print that was about body size, and uh, he said, and he was selling it, he said you could, like, like, you basically put it on the wall of your bedroom, <laughs> uh, or like, something like that, you know, and then you would just kind of, uh, you could also do like that imprint from above, uh, besides like meditating this, so uh, that, or you could just hang it up, you know, it's a big thing. 
So, um, yeah, so just by looking at it, you can go into resonance with it. But, uh, so we'll get, we'll get underway in terms of this actually maps onto your chakra system, and that's how the meditation is, to meditate this kind of very active glyph that would lead to those spiritual abilities that Daskalos was mentioning. But, uh, but a little bit of background, just to kind of flesh this out. So, yeah, why is it sourced from Egypt? So, Daskalos remembered a time when he was in the court of Akhenaten, who was a particularly famous pharaoh for... Uh, one of it, that Pharaoh's claim to fame, so to speak, was a unified Godhead. He believed in a unified Godhead uh, rather than a, a big, um, a vast array of different deities, which was very unique for uh, um, kind of ancient Egyptian uh, spirituality. And uh, so Daskalos was a, a priest in that court where they're teaching a version of this, more kind of a source version. And during that time, he was mentioning there are two spiritual beings who would actually appear in the court. And uh, they are beings who you might be connected with already. And it's the reason that this is happening on the fall equinox. And so I'll just point it out how it's symbolically represented here. Uh, there are two angelic beings. And so one of them is represented by the red. And uh, it would be considered Archangel Mikael. So they called the Egyptian version of Mikael is Mahael. So that being would appear in the court uh, when they're teaching or doing teaching this, and then the uh, the left side is um, this is meant to be violet, a violet wing is the archangel Raphael. So uh, yeah, Raphael, uh, which is like the sun sun god Raphael, and uh, so these two beings would appear. And uh, since this is the fall equinox, this is considered uh, a celebration of Archangel Michael's, like Michaelmas. So Michael appears like in the Christian tradition, Muslim tradition, Jewish tradition, in different scriptures. So these Western religions connect to that being. And you may have a personal connection with that being. So this, you could say when you, if you were to do this meditation, that is one of the beings who would be you would be going into resonance with, who would be guiding this meditation. Um, so from that source in Egypt, it went into two kind of directions. So Moses, uh, who was probably trained very deeply in Egyptian magic, like he has the staff, and I think there's a story of uh, it turning into a snake and so forth in the Bible, which is probably symbolic of his uh, magical abilities. He took this knowledge from that court and went into it went into the Jewish Kabbalistic tradition. So maybe some people have studied the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life. Uh, it looks similar to this, but I think there's some fundamental teaching differences in this, besides it having a similar glyph. But um, and then the other version went through and was held through the Essenes, the Essenes like the Christian uh, Desert Fathers and, and uh, mothers. But, um, and then eventually Daskalos was bringing it through as an esoteric Christian version. So it was Egyptian through, through an esoteric Christian line, uh, was the symbol of life. And so that's the version that we're going to go over here tonight. But that's kind of how the lineage uh, traces. So you may, you, may, you may have actually been an initiate uh, in any of those time frames, uh, all starting all the way back into ancient Egypt. Uh, if you remember those lifetimes. It would be the reason why you just felt an attraction to coming tonight, or maybe you've explored this earlier. Uh, 
And uh, I sort of had that same experience too, uh, like not having met Daskalos uh, physically. Um, and I think I've mentioned this in other uh, classes. It's kind of an important concept. It's called the karmic power search. It's a way that you, um, if you haven't, well, maybe you've remembered your past lives that are relevant now, but whether you have or haven't, there are ways that uh, we're kind of getting reactivated by things in this lifetime so that you can remember, because uh, they're already been somewhat planned in a bit. And there's a way to, like, mm, a signal, like, oh, this is something I need to pay attention to. So it's, the term is called the karmic power surge. And it would be, the way I had it with this is, um, so, you know, I went to Robert Gilbert's class very early on. Someone had recommended biogeometry. And when he mentioned Daskalos, that was like, oh, very interesting. You know, like, your, your, my ears perk up. But when he mentioned the symbol of life, there is just the inner voice, like, that's, that's what you need to learn from Daskalos. Like, go to that. It, what, uh, whatever is being taught is will be great about him, but you've got to go get that, uh, like, knowledge or learn about that. So it ends up being his most, like his highest, his deepest teachings. And so, um, so I wouldn't say until like Paul Scorpin, his student, taught that class, and then Robert Gilbert must have gotten the signal that he needed to present the meditation uh, publicly. That that was kind of like, oh, this is exactly it. You know, this is this is what I was looking for. So you may have had some kind of similar experience, like, yeah, this is something I'm really interested in, and. What I'm, why I'm bringing that up is you probably meditated this in another lifetime then, or maybe, maybe many lifetimes before, starting from ancient Egypt. And that's what Paul Scorpin was saying too, like, like from what Daskalos was teaching him, that uh, this wouldn't be a first time around. Uh, if it is the first time you're kind of consciously being introduced to this, it's possible, but it could be like a reactivation of something that's already been meditated in your field. Um, and then the only other story with Paul Scorpin that's interesting was uh, at the time I was doing a shamanic training with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, um, this, their three-year program. And um, one of the, we met twice a year with the same cohort. That's how, that's how every year. So it was like six meetings. And in the summer before, so we met in the spring and then in the fall. So in, during the summer period, I just started reading like all of Daskalos' stuff. Kind of like what Cindy was saying. Just started meditating the <laughs> symbol of life, and then some event pops up of symbol of life. And, and I didn't really know why, but then when I got to that September meeting, they were like, okay, one of the initiations is you're going to journey to a famous person. They have to have passed for like at least 30 years. And then you're going to learn from them. And all immediately I was like, oh, the okay, Daskalos was contacting me. <laughs> or like, so that, that, or either way, that's, that was who I um, knew right away. That is who I go learn from. So I took the journey, and I'm on there. I cross this ocean. I mean, I'm some tortoise. I land on this island. And I see this little boy, <laughs> like this young, blonde-haired boy. I'm like, you don't look like Daskalos. I don't have a picture of Daskalos, but he's like... Most of the pictures now, since Kyriakos' book, is like a grandfatherly Greek, you know, very loving kind of, someone you like to just sit and hang out and talk with or something. I was like, you don't look like Daskalos. So I was like, but you feel like Daskalos. So I just kind of changed him into Daskalos, the way he looked. Okay, so he taught me some cool things that are actually are in the Arturian healing method, which hadn't been, um, <laughs> I hadn't done yet. So 
Paul Scorpion's class is like in October, like right after, like, you know, three weeks after that. And he starts his first talk, he's like, yeah, you know, first of all, Dennis Close, you know, reached a, a high enough level, you know, of his higher self that you could just contact him now. You don't have, you know, you can receive messages directly from him now. He's like, oh, okay, I think that's happening. He's like, yeah, and we think he's reincarnated, and he's a young boy in Germany. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So you know, you know, the spirits are the spirits are they always going to always <laughs> getting you to um, believe in the spirit world. But uh, so I thought I found that interesting too. Yeah. So so the main point is I I think Basquez is very available. Like I never met him physically, but I feel very close to his teachings and him. But uh, I think he's very available if you're open to that. So, you know, if you do this meditation or if you just want it to kind of feel more directly connected uh, or, or just learn from him directly, uh, his higher self is, I think, very available. So, um, yes, yeah, so we kind of have invoked him in this presence, so maybe he can guide this, uh, this teaching here. But, um, yeah, so I, I did want to pull out one tool and this kind of links two streams of esoteric knowledge together, um, and that's the Vogel crystals. Uh, how many people are not familiar with the Vogel crystals? Okay, so I'll spend, I know some people here, we've been using them fairly extensively, so um, hopefully this will be somewhat also interesting. Uh, but these are uh, double, I'll just pull them out. Uh, double terminated crystals that were uh, created by Marcel Vogel, who was um, an IBM scientist and also kind of a crystal esotericist. And uh, uh, so, you know, basically, a crystal master. And he also has passed. I wonder if he's reincarnated. That'd be interesting to uh, tune into the find. Yeah, you could be a little girl. He's, a, he's like running that crystal shop down on Doyle's town. <laughs> no, okay, but, uh, well, maybe I'm not. But, uh, anyways, yeah, so he was, uh, um, you know, well, as a scientist, he created, uh, I don't even think he had a PhD, but he created all these patents and um, using crystal technology for uh, basically one of the first CD, like ROM systems. Uh, to encode computer knowledge using crystals. But uh, he, he definitely went into the esoteric side of crystals and he created this as a way to basically condense thought and energy um, so that you could project it somewhere. And, um, well, yeah, Andre, do you can yeah, say? Yeah, I, I just, uh, something interesting. I don't know, he, he was one of the team, I don't know if he invented it himself, but. Mm -hmm. LCD screens. LCD that's screens. That's like a yeah. crystal display. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, which one, once that really got in my head, I just I couldn't look at my phone or like technology. I was like, oh, this this responds to consciousness. These yeah. are living crystals in here. Yeah. Yeah. No. Speaking of, um, he does have a. If you you type in Marcel Vogel, I think there's a website that comes up as Marcel Vogel, all one word, and um, he never published a book, which was uh, probably that would have been nice to have. But he has uh, material out there, definitely on YouTube, like a recorded class. But he does show, uh, this was after he had discovered those things, that um, he took a, a liquid crystal, um, sort of, um, in a, almost like in a, in a glass, and he said, watch and, uh, how this responds. And he thought of an image of Mother Mary, and he projected it into this like, uh, like a amorphous crystal matrix, 
And you see Mother Mary there. They took a picture of it. So he's like, he just wanted to prove that, you know, crystals, they respond to your thoughts, that they can condense them, they can project them. And that was his goal in creating the Vogel crystal, uh, which he accomplished. I mean, uh, for people who've worked with these, you can, um, they are highly functional healing tools, as well as you can use them in this meditation. That's where I'm going with this. But, um, but you may find them outside of this meditation, just uh, beautiful uh, energetic tools to work with. So, uh, yeah, so one of the things was that uh, they feel like he was remembering his past life as an Atlantean crystal master, but when he was getting into this, he at first didn't want, at, at some point he didn't want to continue because he realized that the, it could be very beneficial, but it could also be fully abused. And he was probably remembering a time when he may have done that as a crystal master in Atlantis or, or maybe why Atlantis has some problems or its own self-destruction. So at first he stopped. He stopped his uh, work. And then he realized, uh, I guess he has some recognition or technology come down to him where he could imprint a, a program into the crystal as part of the cutter's um, design of it that if you did use it to kind of uh, in a, an abusive way, like a negative way, it would um, like start breaking <laughs> just naturally. Like the tip would break off. Yeah, my tips haven't broken. <laughs> but just to let you know, in the last few years I've done the unbroken. But uh, or it get cloudy or, or something, or, or basically they get non-functional. So you're okay uh, since I figured that out. So then he went ahead and he figured this out uh, or developed it. So the key point here that relates to this um, symbol of life is he was trying to figure out the, the final design. And so he had a dream. He didn't really say that like a being gave this to him, but he just said he had a dream. And he realized the final design should be the tree of life, or basically this symbol of life, which is another version of that. And so um, uh, let's say you see this glyph. So if you, if you go to that website, you'll actually see the story, and, and they um, project like the image of this on top of a vogel. And it's basically, it's basically just like this. Yeah, this is, would be the, the um, direction. And so I'll just say a couple of things about the directionality of, of the Vogel. So, um, so there's two tips. And uh, basically, they call this the female tip or the receptive tip. And this is the firing tip or the male tip. And the, the, there's certain design um, uh, aspects that pretty much have to go into every Vogel crystal or it's not really considered of the quality of a Vogel, like the Vogel design. So the thing you have to watch out is for knockoffs, uh, because they were already happening when Vogel was still alive. When he was all right with it, but he realized that you just want to let people know probably wasn't, uh, significantly was not doing what he had designed it to do. And that's what a lot of clairvoyance and sensitive people now who run into a counterfeit Vogel and a real Vogel, meaning following the design, feel. Some even feel like those counterfeit ones could even be a little detrimental to the field, like it would uh, really not be helping uh, a person's field. But one of the things is this has to be at a, the receptive tip always is at 52 degrees, which resonates with like the bond angle of water. It also resonates with the, the slope of the Great Pyramid for people who've been to Egypt or resonate with Egypt or are going. Uh, and that, that was for a reason, but particularly with the bond angle of water, the intramolecular bond angle of water. Um, so the energy comes in this way, it gets condensed, uh, plus the thought form, and that's the key point. 
it, there's sides here, and the energy will reflect off each side. So the variable, if you were to purchase one, and I'll mention the um, cutter, uh, so if you, who these are come from and who I recommend. His name's um, Drew Towsley. Drew Towsley of Luminary Studios. That's his website. And if you wanted a custom one, you just email him, and you know you could ask or uh, you could he'll work with you. But uh, so it, it will reflect this way. So there's the, the variable is how many sides you want, and then it shoots out this way. So it is directional. So this uh, male firing tip um, or the firing tip, this can be variable depending on both why you're getting what the Vogel's for and um, who is uh, getting the Vogel. So it's an interesting design process because let's say you ask Drew to make you one. He'll tune into you vibrationally and then decide on an angle. And that's, that's how it's custom made, is through this firing tip one uh, angle. But uh, also the function of the Vogel has to do with the, this angle. Because um, uh, Marcel, who everyone said was a super loving, huge heart, like a big teddy bear. <laughs> like he would start a class and he'd first say, okay, everyone get up and hug each other. Uh, I think I only hugged three people when I came through, but you know, we, we should, maybe we should have started the class that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's so like very loving. But he did say that um, when he was creating all these in the 80s, uh, I guess some other people were very jealous or whatnot, I don't know. They had done some kind of like, uh, like negative thoughts for him, towards him. So th this person ended up in his class, in one of his seminars, and he said he had cut one that at the angle that you could levitate people. Yeah, levitate things. So he levitated the person off their seat and then dropped them. And, uh, but then he felt so bad that he went home and he broke that crystal. And he never cut another Vogel at that angle. Yeah, because that was kind of the, the same, I guess, temptation that, that he was remembering from Atlantis. But the reason I'm bringing that up is, yeah, so the function can, uh, of how, what the Vogel's for can change also with this angle. Um, so I'll just say one more or two more things and then we'll kind of, I'll bring it back to why I'm bringing it up here. Uh, so the other thing is um, the, the, the cut of the crystal has to be along the way the crystal uh, grew, which is called the C-axis. So if you have a block like this, uh, you could like cut a couple like, you know, all like, you could find the part that's clear and then just kind of cut it out and then the, you could make the crystal like that. But, it, you know, it, but the, actually the C-angle, the C-angle was like growing like this, for example. So it, it would be kind of like, not going along that angle. So if you had that block and you had to follow that rule, then maybe you only get a couple clear portions. You know, maybe you could only get two uh, crystals out of that. So that's why uh, it would be much more expensive. But that's one of the part of the design is it has to, so it would all flow naturally through the crystal. So that's another piece of the design. But uh, yeah, so they're, they're highly, um, uh, particularly, I recommend Drew's. Um, I think there's two or three other cutters who are trained by Marcel. Uh, right now, I'm ordering one from someone else who is in Mount Shasta. Uh, there's a store called Crystal Wings, but it hasn't come yet, so I haven't uh, field tested it yet. But I could definitely recommend Drew Towsley in case you were interested in just checking it out. Mm -hmm. One from that store. Yeah, what do you think? Uh -huh. It's a variation. Uh huh, okay. Uh huh. 
Did you I like the? Yeah. I yeah. actually, I, I, I had my biogeometry tools and I was like testing and testing. Oh, you're, you're testing them out. I almost got a, a, a five-sided, like a, um, like a, 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 like a pentagram, like cut vocal, but this one tested stronger. Oh, okay, nice. Oh, great. But yeah, I, I, I like his his uh, the, the work. That's interesting. He has a one forty-four sided. That's the yeah. Is that the one you got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll let you guys know. Yeah, the bag's out the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> I hope it's at home. <laughs> well, um so so Drew will cut anywhere from four to thirty three. And so thirty three you can see here there's like this ego thing. <laughs> I got a 33. <laughs> so I guess I must make it up for something. Else, yeah. Get the bigger one. You know? And then I got the 144. Right? So anyways, the, his name is Bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think his name is Bill, Bill, Bill. Actually, I'm not sure he's the one who cuts it. But the owner of the Crystal Wing Shop in Mount Shasta is Bill Hurley. And um, uh, they will go up to 144. Which is very significant. It's the 12 by 12. So the 12 is a very significant, like the dodecahedron, uh, like 12 uh, color bands, um, you know, 12 the, the disciples around Christ or the 12 arahats around Buddha. So 12 is a very symbolic geometrical number. And then it could usually be subdivided by 12, so 144. So 144 is also a very um, powerful geometrical number. So they will go up to 144, mm -hmm. uh, that store. And uh, so you could, uh, if you go to Mount Shasta or you just talk to them, they have a website. You could check out their uh, vocals also. Okay. So anyways, the, um, the reason, the, since, since this is based on the tree of life design, uh, you could meditate with this when you do the symbol of life uh, meditation that we're about to go over. And... Um, uh, so there are a couple things. If you have one, which I know some people do, uh, you can hold it. Or I usually don't hold it anymore. I just kind of put it out in front. Or if they're upstairs and I'm downstairs, <laughs> then I just like connect to them that way. But uh, yeah. But anyways, um, what it will do is it be, it will it was almost like an amplifier of your meditation. So it will amplify. Um, like any one time that you're meditating, kind of making it stronger and imprinting in your field. And the other thing is, if you hold it, if it's cut correctly, it will actually make your chakras uh, basically breathe in a balanced fashion, which I've experienced, uh, particularly with like when I first got this one and, uh, and I held it, I like, oh, I feel exactly what that... I had heard that in Robert Gilbert's uh, lectures on the Vogel, and I could feel that. Uh, and then the other interesting story is when I first got this, I meditated with it, not with the symbol of life, but then I took a nap, and I was in the dream, I might have mentioned this in um, one of the classes on the dodecahedron, but I was elevated to some dimension that I was in this like Taoist <laughs> school while I was applying, <laughs> because I was in the line, like a registration line, and uh, we were meeting the teacher, and I met I met him, and some, he seemed happy enough that maybe I think I was accepted. <laughs> but that was the only time I, I got to consciously be aware of that. But what I did feel was that because I had held this or meditated with it had elevated my vibration so that I could reach that dimension, dimensional space. So I think that can happen. There's probably some dimensional spaces that 
maybe like my current uh, vibrational level or let's say one's current vibrational level, they're kind of off limits at the present time. Maybe mostly to protect your, your field. Because if you hadn't kind of gotten there yet and then you boost up there, you could be prematurely in a place that wouldn't probably be good for your energy field. But sometimes, like with the dodecahedron, I experienced that, or many people, a couple of people did too, which was a class we held here last year uh, on this fall equinox, uh, which raises the vibration of your field. Or what I experienced was holding one of these, uh, you know, it temporarily boosts your uh, frequency really high. But if you kept meditating with it, it could probably sustain that. So anyways, this is 19, 19, yeah. Uh, so, you, pick yeah, so there's a couple, I didn't mention the sides, I just mentioned that really quickly. So, uh, how to choose the sides. Um, the lower the number doesn't necessarily, it wouldn't mean that you would just get the highest number, it's more like a, a how you choose tuning forks. It's more like an array, because uh, it's also based on frequency. So, if you're going to work with uh, like lower subtle body levels, like let's say you're doing it with healing, or intentions with healing, if most of your clients are coming in like with physical ailments, um, uh, cancers, or things that are affecting their physical etheric body, you'd want a lower number size because you know the frequency needs to be lower to actually affect those bodies. Then, if it's emotional, mental, or really high, like you're doing maybe past life work or soul akashic record work, you might go with a higher number, like in the 20s or 30s. Um, so, but really any True cut Vogel is going to be beneficial, so really that you don't you know because they are they are uh, pricey, so it wouldn't necessarily be something that might be that you'd want to get like an array, unless that was something you really wanted to invest in. But any any Vogel will be good. You could work on on any of the subtle body levels, but there may be a tendency if you need, needed to specialize with the, the numbering. Now, sixteen and nineteen are biogeometry numbers. So for people who've studied biogeometry, there's They've identified a unique vibration that's called the centering vibration. It's like when you're, it's actually the energy or the vibration that's in the center of a circle. It's what is similar to the energy like when you're in a divine power spot or when you're deep in prayer and connected to the divine. So it's a non-polarized energy and it's made up of three vibrations, which I'll just mention really quickly just so people get a flavor of it. One is um, called the higher harmonic of gold, so it's like a gold divine energy. The other one's called the higher harmonic of ultraviolet, so it's like a, it's like an ultraviolet uh, color or vibration, uh, similar to what they call the atmosphere of the angels. And you'll you can feel that vibration at sunrise, when you see the sunrise, and you just mm-hmm. that how you feel really good. That's actually full of higher harmonic of ultraviolet. In case you want a, a direct uh, experience of that. Um, a lot of that. And then finally, there's something called a spiritual carrier wave. So it's called, um, in this classification, it's called horizontal negative green. So anyways, the bio, the, this um, identified vibration, that biogeometry in that modality, they call it BG3 or biogeometry 3, you can create that vibration by uh, either placing 16 things of similar things together or 19 similar objects together. So if you cut this with 16 sides, you'll, you'll create that BG3 vibration. And then there's sort of like a higher version of that, and that's the 19 version. So if you cut it with 19 sides, you kind of get a slightly, let's say, higher version of the BG3. 
but both are very useful. And like when I took the class with um, Dr. Kareem, he basically said, so you can use 16 if you're designing like a mall, you know, <laughs> a shopping mall. Um, uh, but uh, you wouldn't want to use 19 for that because he said that's what he, if you want to speak with the dead. So that was his, I don't know, like a joke. But, uh, <laughs> but basically, you know, the, you probably create these dimensional walls, you know, like a vortices. So that might be good for a temple or your, or your healing space or your meditation room. So, so those are some numbers that you could, yeah, consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 the magenta. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So those are kind of numerological vibrations associated with that number. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, if you're gonna, if you will have them out here. The other thing is, if let's say you didn't want to buy a physical one, you could just uh, tune into an etheric one, and uh, we do that. Like we use these in uh, level six of the Arturian healing method, and it's not a requirement to buy one to use it energetically. So you could just imagine an etheric one that's with you or um, placed uh, that you're holding. And uh, people who use, like, in the Arcturian healing method, when we start using these, some people buy one, like from Drew, and use it. But uh, in the technique, some people just imagine an etheric one in their hand and seem to get the same, like, powerful energetic effects. So, um, wouldn't necessarily you could, don't necessarily have to buy one, a physical one, to use it in this meditation. But um, so everything I'm explaining with this physical one, you could just, if you didn't want to buy one, you could uh, either start out or just utilize a, kind of like an energetic one. But if you were to hold it, you can either hold it, you know, like this. Uh, what would happen is it would um, align your central channel energy more vertically. It would let your chakras breathe, and it would probably send the energy. It would it would send the energy upwards. Uh, you could theoretically hold it down like this. It would be sending the energy downwards. It is this. This is actually the the way it's um, glyphed on, or mapped onto your field is this direction. Um, if people have heard Robert Gilbert's talk, he I think holds it like this, um, and I just tend to put them in front of me and then just imagine them on my field. So either way, because they're they're more working energetically than than maybe physically. Okay. Any any last questions on the um, the Vogel? Yeah. I heard that Dr. Vogel said when it's chipped, it's adjusting to your frequency. Oh, it should. And to leave it. Okay. But I've also heard that you got to fix it. Uh huh. Do you have any um, any take on that? experience? Yeah. Well. The tip gets chipped or something. Yeah, I, I, someone said that uh, I thought maybe I got slightly chipped mine here on the very end uh, because I put these underneath the uh, um, airplane. No, not the seat. <laughs> I just put them in my bag and trust uh, tr- my luggage and then just let it go into the you know carrier. That becomes a question if you start tra- traveling with these. And uh, I don't know if someone, I definitely, the 
um, Secret Service, not the Secret Service, but uh, yeah. CSA definitely has put that little note that they took it out, and they probably didn't know what it was initially, so who knows if it got chipped a little. But um, yeah, I, either way, I think, uh, yeah, maybe, of course, what Marcel Vogel said, there's probably a lot of import to that, but do people do maybe just because they, they want it to look good? get it fixed, but I remember, I think, Drew telling me that if it's a small chip, just, just, just to let it go. So maybe he was kind of saying the same thing Marcel might have told him, um, because, you know, like, uh, he said, it was, it's just going to work the same, he said. Mm -hmm. But some people would, like, kind of want it to just be, like, yeah, be perfect, like, you know, look good. So... Uh, and then the other thing Marcel mentioned is if you do get one, he said not to ever put it with salt, salt and water. Yeah, uh, it would, he said it would ruin the crystal. So, how do you clean it? Sun? Can you put it in the sun? Yeah, I run it under water, and then I have this eco laser. Maybe I'll just pull that out. I mean, that's kind of really unique. Is the eco laser? It's definitely available. Um, at the Vesco website, but this this like has saved me a lot of time working with crystals. But it has vibrational elements here at the tip. It's a regular laser, but you know, oh, yeah, you just kind of go like five times or so, and it will clear it. So it's very efficient in clearing. It's called Eco Laser. Uh, if you're interested, it's it's also like um, you can clear spaces. You can use them on people. I don't tend to use that as much. Um, but you could clear, you just don't, don't want to spend too long uh, because it's a little, it's, people who are sensitive can really feel it. Um, but yeah, that's usually how I clear it. Uh, and there is a clearing method if you do find that, uh, it's, it's really easy to find, the workshop given by Marcel Vogel. He has his own way of clearing the Vogel. I'll just mention that. You just, uh, you actually, you like, each of these is like, uh, each of these sides is almost like a layer of the crystal. So you put basically like your middle finger and your thumb on each of these sides. And then you take a deep breath uh, really high in your chest. And then you exhale uh, really fast. And you imagine that that sliver of the Vogel is being cleared out. So it's like intention and breath. And then you go through all the sides. So that, that was his version of clearing it. Yeah. You said the love of God is a measure. You, the love of God. Yeah, when you breathe. Really exactly, you yeah. I was just yeah. going to say that, exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, what Bonnie Sue is mentioning, you know, this loving heart aspect of Marcel Vogel, uh, you imagine um, the deepest sense of unconditional love and then do that breath. And he said when you actually use the Vogel, until you came into that resonance of unconditional love, you shouldn't start the, the healer. Uh, because the carrier wave of all your um, thought forms through the Vogel has, is the love, love frequency, unconditional love. So you had to generate that first, and then any intention on top of that is how it should be carried through the Vogel. Okay, so this is like a, an amplifying tool that you can use with the symbol of life meditation. All right. Let's see. Does anyone need a break here? We are good to... Okay. All right. So what we're going to do is I'm going to briefly go over this, and then there is a transmission here. The transmission is just to ask the spiritual beings who are associated with this uh, to kind of, uh, kind of give like a download, like a, a packed form of it into your field. 
and it, it won't be as long a transmission just because the this I think is a more like a two and a half hour class then we'll take a short integration break and then we'll actually do the meditation so you can kind of uh, see how it works in your field um, uh, and you'll get the mp3s in case you wanted to use that as a way to practice plus the, uh, the, the entire evening's mp3s okay so this is actually uh, the reason there's two of these this is the is Daskalos's painting so I wanted to kind of give that I would say the lineage for this is um, uh, you know the divine supreme god through the Christ being and there's there's a symbolic area where the Christ being is kind of represented this energetically uh, then held through the two angelic beings I mentioned uh, Archangel Raphael and Archangel Mikael but any period in those times where I mentioned the lineage you may have connected to those other spiritual beings associated with them so um, but I would say that would be the main uh, spiritual beings who are kind of carrying this uh, of course Daskalos was an incarnated human master of this uh, teaching uh, and his main uh, spiritual teacher was he called him Father Johannin, which was basically Saint John, the divine, so the disciple. Okay, so this might be more helpful for the meditation. So I'll just kind of use this for now, and then we kind of I may go back and forth to sh- to, to just let if um, to point this out. So the the meditation sequence actually. You start by building it. Um, these are the main points of how this maps onto your body, and this is fairly accurate. There's only one place that I feel was can get confused people here, and just to point it out right now, it's this, this. Um, uh, I don't know if he really calls it sephiro, but the cyst center here. It looks like it's it might be at the navel. In fact, this is at the solar plexus, which I'll go over. And so that's the same one as this one down here. Yeah, so that will be at the solar plexus. Um, oh, do you have the um, symbol of light book? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just I, I, realized I didn't have like a like a notebook to take. Oh, uh, okay. Can you just like case. point it up? Just I'll just show you yeah. some of the resources. So if you wanted to um, off that researchers of truth website, that's called the that's the symbol of life book that is in Daskalos's own handwriting. Yeah, that's in his handwriting. Yeah. So in case and in German. <laughs> yeah, his handwriting, uh, English, and in German, <laughs> with his own hieroglyphs too. So, um, yeah. But just in case, that was one resource. The other resource on the researchers of truth website is his daughter Panayota is the one who took over the school, and she gave a series of like um, there are basically sixteen CDs. I did buy them and, and listen to them, um, all on the symbol of life. And besides, if you were in the inner school, I'm not really sure where you can get any uh, like other resources besides maybe these two. Um, there are a couple teachers of um, Daskalos' method, but Panayota is, is the main sort of source there. Um, and uh, But uh, like I said, you could also tune in directly to Daskalos. It could probably help you directly. Okay. Yeah, then, thanks, thanks, Andre, for... Yeah, it's yeah, different than from, like, the, the Jewish tradition? It, it is pretty different, yeah. yeah. I haven't studied the Tree of Life deeply from the Jewish tradition, but um, I, don't, I think a lot of the inner teachings are not the same. Yeah. The, the shape is the same, but um, that might be... About it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, what um, 
Andre was mentioning, uh, I know there's a version of meditating from the Kabbalistic tradition, the tree of life onto your field. But the one that I saw, the this point here is at the sex chakra. It kind of encompasses the sex and root chakra. Uh, that one that I saw from the tree of life, they meditated, they called it Malkuth, for people who studied the Malkuth, the lowest, is like between the feet or like below the, the soles of the feet. Yeah. That may, yeah, you may have picked that up from the information field. Uh-huh. Earlier you said the left side was red. Yeah. Oh, actually the right side. It's like this. It's like this. Yeah, I might have misspoke. Yeah, it's like this. Yeah. Right side is uh, Mikael, Raphael. <laughs> so what if you did hang it this way and this Yeah, that that's true. That, that yeah. kind of wouldn't that kind of wouldn't be so. Yeah. Then I don't know. Maybe they have to go like this. <laughs> yeah, that, that really would. Yeah, that was that wouldn't be as uh, helpful there, <laughs> unless you had a good way to kind of mentally shift it. But if anyone came to one of the uh, fall equinoxes where we did the angel wings meditation, yeah, where you created um, and you brought up like the red of Mikael through the right side, that's also based on Daskalos's uh, teachings. So. In that one, you would bring up uh, Archangel Mikael's energy through your right leg, similar to working with the right channel in yoga. Yeah, I think it's called the <laughs> the right channel, <laughs> the pingala. <laughs> and then the, the left channel, you bring up the violet flame or violet light from Raphael. Okay, so how does this uh, map onto your system? And this is basically how the meditation goes. So you start the first chakra above your head, there, all of these are considered like, you can consider them gold, brilliant gold centers, uh, spheres, except for the one at the heart. Uh, it has a rose pink color. So the first one would be above your head, at the first chakra above your head. So it's a gold sphere here. That's kind of where you start the meditation. Then you would see one, and you can even do this kind of quick version if you didn't want to do like a very involved meditation, like what Cindy was mentioning maybe. You could just touch in to remember where these are. But anyways, because uh, they're kind of already there. They're already there in your field. Then the other, so then this one here is actually at your right shoulder, above it, above it, above your right shoulder. So it's kind of a unique chakra because I don't think really any other system I've seen has a chakra positioned here. And then the left one is right above like a gold sphere here. And when you connect these, you're creating the, the gold triangle. And so that gold energy that you feel will come in, like I might say that in the meditation, is considered like the Christ light, the Christ mm-hmm. energy. So it's sort of basically imbuing your um, thinking is one way to think of it. Okay. And then the way I kind of think of this, I mean, you could probably do your own version, you know, because basically you're just trying to get these, remember these, meditate with these in your field. I'll do it in a certain order. It's, it's very similar to the way I learned it from Robert Gilbert. Um, but, uh, you know, theoretically, you could go in another order, as long as you're kind of touching through. Uh, so, uh, after you create the triangle, then you go to the main line. That's basically down your central channel. So, the key ones is this one, which seems all connected to everything. And that's your heart center. So, that's the one that's the rose pink light. So then after you've created this, uh, you know, these three above making the triangle, you come here, meditate uh, a brilliant sphere of rose pink light. 
And then um, coming down this one, which kind of, that's why I said it looks a little bit anatomically maybe off. It kind of looks like the navel here, but uh, it's actually at the solar plexus. So that's right between the rib cage, yeah, uh, right underneath the rib cage where it meets in the center. So that's solar plexus. And then the one that's far down, which would be this one here, also very important, is actually at the sex chakra. But since it's a sphere, it would be considered also covering your basic, so the first and second chakra. Okay. So then that's like you meditate that or you kind of identify those. Um, then you would start on the right side. And since you already created this right um, uh, sphere, the next two are actually at the chest, like at the upper chest. So those are also kind of unique. I haven't really seen any other system besides this meditation that has those. So you basically would go down, so uh, on the right side first. So it would be the upper right chest is, is this uh, sphere. And then, the, and then these two that are kind of right at the middle, these are at the liver and spleen. So liver and spleen. So if you're staying on the right, then the next one here would be the liver. So it'd be upper right shoulder, upper right chest, liver. Okay. Then the um, the left side. So you have you, you already kind of meditated the one on the left uh, upper shoulder. Then the next one is the upper left chest. So that would be this. Then the spleen. Yeah, then that's it. So when you have meditated, uh, then after that, it's basically filling in the connections. So once you've kind of meditated uh, this, you can just make the horizontal. I'll, I'll like mention, like you can think of the right side, um, the one, well, you already made the one from the right uh, shoulder to the left shoulder when you made the triangle. But from this left or right chest, you just imagine the bar going connecting to the left chest, and then from the liver uh, over to the spleen. Uh, then the connections are basically you'll just connect these upper one, uh, the ones at the shoulder, down to the heart, and then these two that are at the chest, you also connect to the heart. That makes sense. So you're basically making these uh, diagonal connections, and then you have these two at the the spleen and the liver, they don't reach up all the way to the heart, they just go to the one that's at the solar plexus. And then the spleen, the liver and the spleen, they come down, that's what makes this uh, bar on the side, they come down to uh, connect at the sex chakra. And, that, and then that's basically, you've kind of, you've meditated in your field, and then you kind of, what I'll do at the end is, um, towards the end, is you just feel the entire glyph in your field, like as a one unit. And um, the way that, when I was been doing it, it, it will feel very much, uh, and I, I do remember reading this in Daskalos's handwriting, it might be a bit in that book. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, you may think of it easier as a two-dimensional structure, but it's actually three-dimensional. It probably is more like a tube, like just like this. So you actually, from the get-go, you may actually feel that. Like this triangle could actually maybe either feel like a pyramid or a cone, uh, just like this around your head, rather than, you know, just like a pirate's hat, <laughs> you know, that you made in grade school. Uh, it, yeah, so the whole thing could feel more like a tube that you're in. That would probably look just like this. Yeah. 
And anybody who did, I'll just say one song, the Turbine of Light, this Arcturian Turbine of Light, is basically a massive version of this, which is actually a massive version of this. It was something that would, was connect, that was made like on a, like a mile scale, like by miles, but it was basically uh, uh, like a version of this, which is a version of the, a version of the Vogel that went out into space and then was anchored back into the Earth. Uh, but it's also a version of a very cosmic um, tree of life, or symbol of life. Mm-hmm. What is the spiritual essence of the paths? Of the paths? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, that's where the deeper teachings are in. Like, um, So Panayota, his daughter, who gave those lectures, will start to talk about that. And uh, what was interesting is that Daskalos, I think it's in that book, only re- is, has partially revealed a lot of the symbolism uh, because he said not um, said like not everyone was really ready to, to hear all of that. Uh, for example, he described uh, four ethers, uh, and I may have mentioned this in some classes. So there's something called the kinetic ether, so, so similar to prana. So the kinetic ether is like when you can move prana. So people who like can, are energy healers who can send energy out of their hand to someone across the room, they're practicing kinetic ether. If I send a gold prana over to you, that imprinting of the color, he called that the imprinting ether. And then if I feel, if you send energy prana to me and I feel it going running up my like shoulder, my hand, my, my hand, my arm, and my shoulder, uh, that capacity to feel that was called the sensate ether. But there was a fourth ether he called the life ether that actually you could make life out of a thought form. Mm. But he said that was only, that knowledge was only reserved for uh, masters, I guess, who had uh, mastered the thoughts. Because um, then you'd have all these, like, maybe monsters running around <laughs> of your thought forms. So I don't know, he, he didn't reveal everything. But in that class of Paul Scorpin, a lot of these are, like, first, Paul Scorpin said, these uh, three gold ones that I don't mention, that aren't the major ones, are actually three initiations of Christ. So you could be going through those similar initiations, uh, he said, um, and those would actually be mapped onto your body, but they're not the main ones in the meditation here. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that um, because he was in that Greek uh, area, the, the myths of, uh, like, for example, Hercules, the labors of Hercules, mm-hmm. are actually esoteric teachings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and a lot of these embody those different teachings. So, like, one of them, I believe, um, the uh, Hercules has to kill a certain lion uh, and then, like, uh, basically wears the lion, after killing that lion, uh, wears the a lion's uh, mane and the whole thing. And so basically you have to, um, that teaching esoterically is you have to uh, address all your anger elementals yeah, until they, you can embody them like a, with that energy but not be controlled by them. Then the other one that actually relates to the, for people who were at the... Um, that class where we learned the uh, angelic wings. How many people were at that one with the... Okay. Um, There was a point where you crossed the two currents here at your solar plexus. And when you do that, 
when you cross these two currents, it clears out the elementals in your solar wherever you cross it. So it would clear out your solar plexus. In what Daskos was saying is that in the her labors of Hercules, he has to clear out the stables mm -hmm. of these uh, thousands of horses of the king. Uh, it represents the stables and the filth of the stables are our are symbolic of our negative elementals. Mm -hmm. And I think the way he did it was he took two rivers, the Hercules, and he like <laughs> brought them together in the stables and they washed them out. Does anyone uh, know the details? But yeah, that, that's okay. I'm just going to pretend I know it. Okay, so you brought the two rivers. <laughs> uh, this is the story. So, uh, but, uh, and he washed the stables with the two rivers. That's symbolic of bringing these two currents and bring, crossing them over and uh, energetically they'll clear out the elementals. So those are some of the inner teachings. Yeah. Uh, that may be in the, that book too. But I yeah, there's a yeah. lot. Um, which this book is wonderful, but every now and then I'll say like like much more of this can't be said to the public. And you're right? Did you see that? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is that when I was listening to Patiota's uh, talks on my runs, <laughs> uh, she did say, you know, one of his abilities, which if you feel like you're have done this or learning this or want to learn this, he, he was very skillful at going out of body. Uh, Daskos. He did most of his work out of body. So uh, the thing is that to recognize is if you meditate this on your field, it's like a symbol to connect to the information field. So even if it's not revealed, you're in resonance with the pack thought. So if it's relevant to your spiritual path, eventually you'll find that information, whether it's directly from Daskos' teaching or those spiritual beings will help you find someone who has that information or something uh, that's what I found. Um, so it's like that knowledge can never be denied if, if it's uh, appropriate to your path. Uh, it's just more like kind of when. Um, but since this is going to be meditated into your field, you're in resonance with all that information. Yeah. So that's, that will, it will unpack either as direct inspiration or you'll find it in the outer world. Um, yeah. Uh, and just to maybe before we'll take a short break before we start the transmission, yeah. When you when I've meditated this on the your on my field, there's definitely uh, it connects you to certain spiritual beings, very high spiritual beings. I think that's the other purpose of working with it. It is like a like a direct like modem connection to those spiritual beings. They'll definitely um, be very present and be able to communicate with you very directly. It may happen tonight, but if you give it a, like a, enough of a try, like you know, maybe do it, uh, let's say seven times, you know, on seven separate seven separate days uh, to start out with. You know, there is a suggestion; various teachers have suggested like twenty-one times, or Daskos was saying five years <laughs> daily. But if that's too much of a chunk to swallow, you just maybe seven. But uh, just enough to get a taste for the actual spiritual experiences you could have. Um, yeah, like I remember Robert Gilbert saying, like maybe in another lifetime, uh, we're kind of getting it. He didn't make a big emphasis on this. We may be getting it too easy. Like in another lifetime, maybe you had to cross the Mediterranean and learn Greek, and uh, you know, I don't know, finally find the teacher, and then maybe you get just a little bit of the knowledge. But here, it's like like a TV dinner, <laughs> it's like all in, all in one. <laughs> but, uh, so, anyways.
But we're in a, a new age, I guess. So. Maybe we paid our dues in another life, right? <laughs> we paid our dues. <laughs> okay, so we'll take a break for 10 minutes and then we'll do the transmission. Yeah.